0: of John, and we are in the final chapter, John chapter 21, but I, wanna, I want you to see, uh, as we make this transition into the Word of God today, hallelujah, <laughs> um, that there's a thread. There's a thread here, that, that there's a call to all of us in the Lord to be engaged with Him and aware of His plans for us in our generation, even right now. Uh, even as we're working our jobs and raising our kids and the challenging situations of life, some of you moving into retirement and grandkids, to not lose sight of God's divine plan and your part in it. Because it never stops. You know, the timeline and the plans of God, they they continue forward. Again, as, as has been said, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. My friend Scott Hayes says it that way. Denise loves that one day I said, if you're not dead, you're not done. <laughs> it's true. In the kingdom of God, that's how it works. But the, you know, transitional seasons can be weird. They can be hard. Um, and I feel like in some ways, and this is, this is the intro to John chapter 21, promise. Transitional seasons can be hard and hard and challenging and you can have a disillusionment, you know? Have you ever found yourself in a place where, you know, the way you, you've known to relate to God suddenly has changed? It, it doesn't feel the way it did. You know, you've walked with Jesus in a certain way, but it's, it's just not like that anymore. And it's disconcerting. It's disorienting. It can be disheartening. And you'd be like, what's going on? What did I do wrong Has God withdrawn from me, and you don't know what to do? Anyone, anyone ever been there like that? I may feel like this past couple of years has been that. Uh, You know, we we've been in a season just worldwide that has been traumatic. Regardless of your opinions on anything that's happened, it's been traumatic, and we're all still recovering. I don't think we understand the ways in which we're recovering, but it's disorienting and it's challenging. But God has a word for us. He has direction for us. He has plans for us. And there's a strategy he's working out in us. Amen? And so as we look to the word of God today, I want to just pray that the Lord will reveal to us his heart and his mind. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you today and open up the living word, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation? Would you give us eyes to see things that we can't see naturally? Would you cause our heart to perceive the ways of your heart? Would you call us to friendship and obedience to you in a greater way this day? Yes, God, draw us to your heart, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you agree? Say amen. All right, so in John chapter 21, we're on this journey to the cross series just because we couldn't stop, couldn't stop reading of John, it's so good, and every part of it's so meaningful. But you get to chapter twenty-one, and here's where we're at in the story. Jesus has lived, died, rose from the dead. That's awesome, you know. And he's he's appeared to them, like he's accomplished salvation first of all. He's conquered sin, death, hell. He showed up in the room. He showed up to Mary. Um, he showed up to the guys on the road to De- I'm sorry, the road to Emmaus, and and. This is where we're at in the story. He is lived, died, resurrected, and he's he's the anointed one. He's the glorious one. It's amazing, but it's completely different than what the disciples have known up to this point. And they went through three and a half years of this intimate communion, fellowship with Jesus, walking with him day by day. He was living with them, eating with them, like they were always together. But the day Jesus went to the cross, everything changed, hallelujah. Everything changed. And he went into the grave and he came out. And after that, salvation was accomplished. God had conquered sin, death, and the grave. But he wasn't walking with them the way he had been before. Everything they had known had changed. Now, that was glorious, but it was different and it was challenging. And and you have to believe that in some ways, they're very disoriented in in this process. And and for a minute, they were grieving, right? They thought they lost him. He was dead. He was gone. They put him in the grave. What are we going to do? You know, and three days later he appears, and then a few days after that he appears. A week later he appears, but it's not the same. And and just try to put yourself in their shoes. That it's like whiplash in a lot of ways. What's going on? We thought we knew you. We don't know that we knew. What was? What's happening now? Because the life we've known up to this point is gone. We think you did something awesome, but you're not walking with us and talking with us in the way we've known. And these guys, I think, are just completely disoriented, completely disillusioned. That's where we jump in in John chapter 21. So we're going to kind of walk through it together. Now, normally, I'll read the whole section and then we'll unpack it. But I feel like for this one, we're just going to kind of walk through it with chunks of verses as we go. Is that all right? So now that you know the story, um, now he's already showed up to them surprisingly unexpectedly in a couple different ways, and we've talked about them, but it hasn't been how they've known. And so here we are on John chapter 21, John's final chapter of his gospel. After this, verse one, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. And I love that John sets up the story like that because when they were experiencing it, they didn't know that's what was happening. Okay, let's just set that aside. This is a narrative comment. John's looking back on what happened this day and realized Jesus revealed himself to us again. But remove that as we step in this story so that you can understand what they're seeing and experiencing. Verse two, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Debedee and two others of his disciples were together. Verse three, Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out, got into the boat, that night, they caught nothing. Verse 4. This is familiar, isn't it? It's familiar ground. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And so again, that's a narrative, narrative comment. A man on the shore says, children, hey guys, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. Okay, stop for a 2nd let Let's just stop there for a second. So they didn't know who he was. Why would he be asking for fish? Did he, did he want to buy some? You know, why would someone, I mean, that's the culture they're in, right? Like And now when, when Peter goes, you know, hey, guys, I'm going fishing, this wasn't like some fun outing for Peter. You know, just like if you're an engineer, you don't take your Sunday and go into the office and work your job. This wasn't like that. This wasn't, I'm going to go on a little fishing trip like we do sometimes today. This was Simon Peter's former profession, okay? So this is the state of mind he's in. Post-resurrection, Jesus is thinking, I must be out of a job. Jesus isn't walking with us anymore. How are we going to provide for ourselves? I'm going fishing. And they're like, all in the same boat, (laughs) Pun unintended, but here we go. <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, we'll go too." Now the rest of these guys were not fishermen, but they're thinking the same thing. What are we going to do with our lives now? We might as well learn to fish. Let's go. We need to pay now our way through. You know, we're going to have to provide for ourselves and find food to eat and have employment. And let's let's go fishing. So, and they're out on the boat all night, catch nothing. And dudes on the shore, it's Jesus. And um. Hey, you guys caught any fish? They don't know who it is. And here they are. But, but we know the story. We know who's on the shore. We know who's in the middle of all this. Jesus set this up. You know it, right? Like Jesus set them up in, in, in every loving, kind, tender way possible, saying, I see you. I know you. I understand your situation. I know what you're thinking. You're wondering what you're going to do. You're wondering how you're going to be provided for. And I don't condemn you in this situation. In the moment of their disillusionment, where they're saying, well, I guess the Jesus thing's over. Let's go back to what we know. I mean, we would have come, no, no, guys. We would have come with a rebuke. What are you doing? I just saved the world. You're trying to go back to your old life. No, no, Jesus shows up on the shore. Do you have any fish? No, caught nothing. What are we going to do? That's what they're thinking. What are we going to do? Verse 6. It just gets better. I mean, you probably know this story, but let's just do this. Verse 6. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And you will find some. Come on, you guys know this is familiar to them, right? I don't know if it was common in Middle Eastern culture to just call, try the other side of the boat. I don't think it was. I think this was Jesus' thing. And he knew that he would trigger them. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Hello, this is like serious Jesus deja vu. And then, verse 7, the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it's the Lord. I mean, they were all thinking it, I'm sure. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples, verse 8, came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they're not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. I love it. I love it. First of all, my first thought when I was reading this, like, hey, wasn't it just like the last chapter where, you know, they're running and John's like, but the, the other disciple beat Peter to the, uh, to the tomb. And this one, Peter's like, John's not beating me this time. <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm thinking. He's like, wait, it's, it's the Lord. And he jumps in that water and runs. I mean, it's just 100 yards, but he's excited. I think it was more than that, but Jesus saw them, called them out, used his own words. That's what he does. He uses his own words, words you've heard before, to call you back into faith. Words they heard before and then did a miracle they'd seen before. The same way. And in that moment was the way that Jesus revealed himself to them. You remember John narrates the story for us. That, that Jesus revealed himself to them in this way. And in this moment, him standing on the shore, Peter runs. I mean, I'm, it had to have been such an emotional moment for him. Like, really. Who was the one chartering this, the fishing expedition the first time Jesus showed up and told him to cast the net on the other side? Peter. This was all for Peter. It was for them too, but this was an emotional moment because that was the moment, the first time when Peter got on his knees and said, Jesus, I am not worthy of you. You're obviously God. You just did something no one could do. I'm an expert fisherman. I can't catch fish. This is a miracle, and I'm a sinner, and here you are, and Jesus says, drop that net and follow me. It was a full circle moment, and he needed the full circle moment. But again, Without an ounce of condemnation, Jesus calls him again, away from the net. Come and follow me. It was Jesus, Peter's, and all of the disciples this time, reckoning moment with Jesus the Messiah. The others, they drag drag the boat in with, you know, know, this, this catch of fish which was so big, they couldn't haul it in. This time, the nets didn't break. That's interesting. But let's let's keep, what Peter really wanted at this moment in his life was Jesus. He didn't want another catch of fish. He didn't want to find another life. What he really wanted more than anything was Jesus. Why else did he jump out of that boat and run straight for the shore? It's Jesus. And he got what he wanted. He got Jesus. and But you know what else he got, though? Jesus showed up for them. Jesus showed up right where they were. He provided. They're worried about money. None of you have ever worried about money or provision, right? You never worried. Oh, is God going to take care of me? What am I going to do to make my way? Jesus miraculously provides those fish. They didn't need 153 fish to eat. They needed them to sell and make money. Jesus provided, but he reminded them of their calling, which was to be friends with him. That's what he called them away from the nets. In the original gospel narratives, he said he called them to be with him, not to employ them, He called them to be with them. And then the second part says, and to do the things he did. That was the original calling, and they would remember that in this moment. Let's keep reading. Because it gets better. Verse 9, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Breakfast. And Jesus said to them, hey, bring some of the fish that you just caught. (laughs) So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. So Jesus says, go get some of the fish you caught. But he's already got fish and bread. You know, these fish were, you know, a kindness and a comfort. The promise of provision for these guys who had originally left all everything to follow him. Jesus saying, you can still leave everything you knew before and follow me. Yes, things are different, but I am the same. That's what he was saying. And I love that he says, hey, bring some of the fish you caught. That's just funny, right? Because who really caught the fish? Well, Yes, they did, but no, they didn't. I mean, they kind of kind of yes, they did, but what a great parable for how this works in the kingdom. Jesus speaks, cast your net on the other side. We obey, we cast the net. Jesus fills it with fish, and then we get to bring fish to the meal. Jesus, isn't that a great parable for the kingdom? Isn't that a great parable for friendship with Jesus? He speaks, we obey. He does what only he can do, and we get to bring it to the table. That's how it works. It's such a simple, simple parable, and and I tell you, none of this was on accident. This is for you and me today. This is what he's calling you and me today. This is what it says. You know, they obeyed his voice, he provided. They didn't have to worry. All they needed to do was hear his voice. All they had to do was obey the simple voice of Jesus, and he provided. It was not the, listen to this, it wasn't the sweat of their brow and their hard work overnight in the boat that caught the fish. (laughs) Learn something from the fishermen who'd caught nothing. It wasn't their labor. It isn't our strength and our effort ever that brings the provision that God wants to give us. It's never. Jesus did not need their fish. But he wanted to be show how mindful he is of us in our estate, that he will provide. He always does. That doesn't mean we don't work and we don't labor, but we understand provision doesn't come from us. It comes from the provider. And he can use your job. And he can use your retirement. Gifts and surprises. He can use whatever he wants, but we have to always remember he's the provider. I am not. He's the provider. And John noted that this time the net did not break. Before the nets were breaking in Luke chapter 5, where you see. Miracle of the, the fish when they cast thee on the other side. The nets were breaking. This time they did not. And you have to know that fact was not lost on these men. The ones who had been fishermen anyways. That they, they, when the, Jesus was calling them to be disciples, their nets broke Originally. But in this moment, when they were about to become apostles, when they're going from disciples to sent ones, he's going to send them out. The nets did not break. And I believe, again, it's a symbolic thing that there's a new day. He's calling them into a new season where he had called them before and the nets were breaking. They're stronger now. They're transformed now. They're not the men they were before now. And why the 153? Now, there are a million Opinions on this, actually. Go have fun on Google with that one. um, Because people get really weird with numbers. End of the day, it's a lot of fish. (laughs) I like that, um, who was it? One of the old, I'll remember it when we're done with the sermon. Uh, Postulated that at that time, maybe there were 153 species of fish. And if that was true, the fishermen would have known it. And to represent to them that as fishers of men, he would call them to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and that they would all come in. I love that one. Can't verify that scripturally, um, but it's a good one. We'll run with it. I like that the net was so full, but it didn't break. I like that Jesus showed them something different this time around. Uh, that he called them, as he called them back to following him in the simplicity of friendship. That they weren't the same people they were before. You know, I kind of hear Jesus saying in the midst of it, you know, you would have, you know, if, if Jesus were going to speak it to them rather than teach it to them. Uh, you know, because he teaches us in life. He speaks to us, yes, but he he speaks to us through the circumstances of life. And all of this, again, was a message that he wanted them never to forget. There's a reason this is the last part of John's gospel. I love that John ends his gospel like this, with Jesus calling them back to friendship. It's so like John. You know, we know the Great Commission, you know, from Matthew is go. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them, helping them to obey all that I taught you. That, that's Matthew's uh, last portion of the account, Jesus' final words. John, the one who leaned on his breast, the beloved one, remembers that Jesus showed us that he had called us to be his friends. And what did he do? What was his great commission? He sat us down to breakfast. And he gave us a, a full net of fish. And it's like he's saying, you would have broken under the pressure of ministry by yourselves before, but you're different now. Things are different now. I'm still with you. I'm still providing for you. You've been made stronger and you've been prepared for this season. Because, again, it was different. It was transitional. It was disillusioning. And Jesus needed them to know, I still see. I'm still with you. It looks different. It feels different. But it's better than it was before. And this wasn't the end of the story. They were yet to receive the promised power of the Holy Spirit. But he wanted them to know, you're not going to break under the weight and the pressure of this. The last thing you need to do is go back to your old life. Verse 12, Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. Love it. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 13, and Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. It's almost like a communion moment, right? He took the bread and gave it to them, this time with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And we're going to stop reading there, um, I think. Let me just double check. Because there's, there's more to this story where um, Jesus reinstates Peter personally. But that's not, not the message for today. Let me just double check. That's where we want to land, though. Thank you. This was the third time Jesus appeared. Okay. <laughs> NIV gives me a nice title break there. I had to look at it. So Jesus big message to them was a simple call to minister, to I'm sorry not a call to friendship intimacy and fellowship because that's what the 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 table represents in that culture to come to the table of, of fellowship is his great to us Originally had called these guys just like this as i said it was so that they would be with him you know so everything was different but the calling was the same the calling was the same and maybe you're in a season of life right now where everything feels different or maybe you're just in the world right now and the world feels different and it's really tempting to say can we just go back Oh, if we could just go back to this time, or even personally in your walk with Jesus, sometimes you're like, man, it'd be so simpler if I could go back to when. But you know, Jesus and God in in the timeline of his story, we call it history, never turns back the clock of time. He doesn't do that. It's never in God's heart, you know what? We just need to go back. No, never, because God has a purpose in every season. He's working something good in every season. Over 2,000 years since Jesus' life on planet earth and the thousands of years that came before when he began life on the planet with Adam and Eve and the creation, every season has a purpose to bring us to this point. Every part of the timeline matters to God, and he cannot erase it. He will not erase it. He doesn't look at a season in your life or a season on the planet and say, oh, that was really bad. We don't need that. He says, no, we needed that. We need that. I'm using that. We're building on that. And it's all of the timeline of all of his story that we're living in up to this moment that will prepare us to be the people that are ready for Jesus to come back. And as weird as things may feel and as disillusioning life can feel at times in our own personal walk or just in in the culture we're living, we should never be like, let's go back. Let's get back on the boats and do what we did before. No, no, no. Stay in the place where you are and remember that Jesus didn't change. Times and seasons changed, but the calling of God to friendship and fellowship never changes. Now, the world is a different place now. It sure is, but the calling is the same. And maybe you've done wrong things in your life. The calling on your life is still the same. Your purpose is still the same. Maybe you have doubts You've been wrestling with doubts and you say, "Uh, you know, I have doubts. I'm still trying to figure it out. The calling is still the same. Come have breakfast with Jesus. You know, and we look back sometimes on our time, those of us that have known the Lord for, for at least a little bit. And we look back in different times where God seems so present, so active, so alive. And we think, if I could just get back to that place where I felt that or I was in that, you know, community of people and, and they're singing just the right song and the music was right and the lights were right and all the things were right, then it would be better. No. The miracle of that moment or that season, whatever it was, was one thing. Jesus. He has not changed. Your life has changed. Your season of life has changed. You may have changed. He has not changed. But you are different. And I believe the Lord say you're stronger. Your nets are stronger. And he won't call us to go back in time, but he will remind us and call us to return to our simple yes that we had. Cuz that's what happened. You know, when you look back at that time, it was a simple yes to Jesus. A simple yes to his invitation to friendship. It was a simple yes to his obedience. When we heard his voice, we responded. And he will remind us to call us back. He'll say the same thing again. Cast your net on the other side. You're like, oh, I've heard this before. Or he'll provide in a way that's reminiscent of what we saw before. And he's saying, I'm still the same. Will you give me the same simple yes that you did then when life's more complicated? Will you give me the same simple yes when the world is very disillusioning to you right now? Will you still have the simple heart of obedience that you had when I came and called you out and said, leave those nets behind? Because that's what's needed. A simple friendship and a simple obedience to him. The seasons of our life will always be changing. The cast and characters in your life will constantly be changing. But he does not change. And his call to fellowship, his call to walk with him does not change. Let's just meet Jesus right here and walk forward instead of trying to go back. Let's meet Jesus right here and renew our, our commitment to saying yes to friendship. Renew our commitment to saying yes to simple obedience. You know, he will call us back to childlike faith. But he doesn't call us to be children again. And I really think this is a word for many of us right now in the room. And please know this season, this moment that the, the, the disciples, yea, apostles were in was very short, very temporary. The promise of the Holy Spirit was coming, but had not come. And the seasons we're in right now, this feels so uncomfortable and disillusioning, whether it's Culturally or in your job or in your family, and the tension-filled moments that make you just want to go back to old life patterns, it's not worth it. This season is temporary. It will pass. Keep your eyes on the one on the shore and obey his voice. Let him call you forward. He will show up where you are just like he showed up where they were. And he will show up in a surprising way, and he'll provide miraculously, and he'll prepare a meal of intimacy, maybe right in the midst of your enemies. That's scripture, right? (laughs) He's going to call you to a feast when the devil's roaring in your ear. Oh, Jesus isn't going to come through for you. You're going to go back to your old ways. You're going to be bound in sin again. And Jesus says, Come have breakfast. Don't listen to those voices. Sit with me. And he reminds them in that way of their calling too. And restores their friendship and their trust in him with joy. He was about his friends. And bringing about eternal fruit. It's really that simple. It's about knowing him. It's about being with him trying to hold to a certain this, Jesus didn't die for our dogma. Those things aren't bad. We need conviction. We need to stand on truth. But if our heart's not walking in love with him, our dogma and our convictions do us n- no good. They do the world no good. But if we know him, if we walk with him, they do us and the world some good. Just because things look different doesn't mean your journey is over. You may turn 80 today. It's just the beginning. This is an important message, not just for our personal lives. I believe, again, the season we're in, uh, you know, just as the world, we could be, and I'm not being doomsday-like, but some people think tribulation, biblical tribulation, could be around the corner, and it's very possible. But you know what? Calling is the same. With Jesus. What's the most important thing if if calamity starts striking the earth? If Matthew 24 starts striking the earth, and we're going there in a couple weeks. Hint? What do we do? Sit at the table with Jesus. That's what you do. How do we prepare for the end times? Simple friendship, simple obedience to the voice of Jesus will carry you through whatever times we're living in. We need to wrap it up, but I mean, walking with Jesus isn't always predictable. It's not the same every day. It requires you to talk to him and to listen to him and be obedient and trust him with simple obedience. He will always come through. I think what's really cool about this story, too, is you know, when Jesus called Peter the first time, Luke chapter 5, and, and called them away from the nets, he said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And they did, and they followed him, and he taught them and discipled them to be fishers of men. But here he calls them to the table and gives them fish. He says, go get some of the fish you just caught, and we're going to have breakfast together. And I think it's significant that it's, that it's, that it's fish. I mean, it's not the first time Jesus showed up feeding them fish either. But I'll make you fishers of men, but I'm going to feed you fish too. I think in, in Jesus' mind, the calling to friendship with him and the call to serve him and be a fisher of men, there's, it's not a tension in his mind. It's all relationship with Jesus. Jesus. You know, we get in our minds, well, we, we want to have times where we make sure we're walking in, in faith with Jesus and, and walking with him in intimacy and friendship. And then, well, there are times we're supposed to labor for the Lord. Jesus says it's the same. When you walk with me, you eat fish and you catch fish. You sit with me and we catch the nations. That's what we do. And it's not a tension. It's not like one's warring against the other. Well, I want to be a friend of Jesus. Why well, I do want to be a fresher of men. Amen, you are. If you fellowship with Jesus, you'll catch fish. Just fellowship with Jesus and you'll catch fish. Where we get it wrong is we try to do one or the other. Why well, I got to catch fish. Good luck. You'll be in that boat all night and catch nothing. Might catch a few. Common grace, you know, gets to you. Uh, doesn't want you to starve out there on the boat. It's not a fight in Jesus' mind. He calls us to himself. He calls us to friendship. He calls us to simple obedience. And that that helps us to know that when he calls us, that we're going in friendship. That we're not alone. That we're, we're provided for. Well, Jesus, you call me to my family. And does that mean I won't have any friends? I will be your friend. You know? I say that one first because when I say calling, you think, oh, he's going to send me to Africa. Well, he might send you to the Africa. And you'll be like, how am I provided for? I will fill your net with fish. If we don't worry about provision. The question is, Jesus will show up and provide all that we need. It's his promise. It's who he is. He can't not provide. be a question or a fear in our mind, what if I don't have this thing that I need are you walking with Jesus? You will always have what you need. He will provide what you need. And if you're worried about it, just ask him. That's what he says. Just ask me for what you need. I already know. <laughs> I already know before you ask me, but let's talk about it. Because I, I just love when you talk to me. Just Let's just stay in the conversation. I'm not mad if you get worried. I'm not mad if you get fearful. Just talk to me. You know what we do most of the time when we get worried, when we get fearful? We don't talk to him. We fret, we worry, we stress, we twiddle our thumbs, we talk to our neighbor, we talk to our spouse, we call our kids. Like, what am I going to do? And she's like, hey, talk to me. I'm the provider. I got this. Moments that are disillusioning to us. Imagine how those who don't have hope feel. Because we have hope. We always have hope. Jesus didn't change. We must be anchored in truth with him and anchored in friendship with him. Because we will always have hope. Whoa, the world could get worse, we still have hope. And our hope isn't built on the world. It's hope that never spoils, perishes, or fades. Ever. It just gets better knowing Jesus all the time. We called into friendship. We're called to simple obedience. We're not gonna we're not called to label labor for him. We're called to walk with him. I'm gonna say that one again. He's not calling us to work for him. He's calling us to walk with him. When we walk with him, we will work with him and our refreshment will be in him and our life will be in him. And we could live out all our days, 80, 90, 100, 120, with him in the fullness of life, in every season of life, because we've learned to say yes to being with him. We've learned to say yes to simple obedience to his voice. Seasons change, Jesus doesn't. The call to follow him remains. And I believe in this hour that we're living right now, He's drawing us all to a fresh commitment to simple friendship and obedience. Every one of us, if you're breathing, if you have a pulse, it's a call to simple friendship and simple obedience. In fact, I believe if if, if I could, and I, I'm not Jesus, but if I could pull back the veil on Many of your hearts in the room, I would see that you've been in a disillusioned season. You're like these disciples. What am I going to do? What am I doing right now? I wish I could go back. Maybe I should go back to the way things were because it just doesn't feel like it's working the way it used to. And maybe you didn't say it like that. But the Lord sees. The Lord knows. He says, no, 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 no. Cast your nut on the other side. I'm gonna provide for you. Come back to me, sit with me, renew your commitment. I believe that there's a call to us all in this season that we're living to a fresh commitment of surrender, of trusting Jesus as our teacher, our friend, our rabbi, trusting him to lead us well. You don't have to be 18 years old in the stadium yesterday. If you're a follower of Jesus, the call is to you. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Let's stand together. Um, Just as we come before the Lord, just turn that down a little for a sec. I'm going to say what I said again because I want you to not just hear these words with your mind. I'm going to take a moment today and, and give us a chance to respond to the Lord. Seasons change. Jesus doesn't. His call on you, to you, to be with you, remains the same. I believe he's drawing us all to a fresh commitment. To friendship and simple obedience. To hear his voice. To return, not to a previous time, but to a simplicity of love and obedience. Especially if you're here and you're one of those, you've been disillusioned, You felt disconnected from God. You're wrestling with questions of provision. How is this going to work out? Jesus wants to show you that he's present with you in it. And I believe, just like Jesus encountered them on the shore that day, there may be an encounter with Jesus for you today. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Thank you for your presence with us in this room, God, and inside the heart of every believer. God, that it's better for us than it was for them. God, we may not see you physically standing on the shore, but your spirit is living on the inside, and it's better for us than it was for them. But we know that it's true. We have this living hope in our earthen vessels, and you're calling us back to yourself. And so right here in this moment, Lord, draw us to a fresh surrender. Draw us to a fresh friendship. Draw us to fresh obedience. And if you're in the room and you've not made a first time, I'm following Jesus, would you just say to the Lord, if, you, if that's you and you want to, I want to follow you, Jesus. I don't care how young or how old you are in the room. If you've never said yes to following Jesus, start there. I will follow you, Jesus. I trust you. I believe in you. You died for me. You'll provide for me. I'm going to walk with you all the days of my life. It's trusting that you would respond if you need to, if you're in the room. But now for all of us in the room, I really felt and sensed this morning a fresh call. To surrender. And I feel like even a need to respond in, in, a, in a physical way to the Lord this morning. Um, this week I was in this room and I just, I literally knelt at, at this step and just freshly surrendered to the Lord. Said, Lord, you can have me again. You can have my life again. I, I, I don't want to do this on my own, I want to do it with you. I just want to challenge you, if you, the Lord is speaking to your heart today, and you feel like you need to respond in obedience, simple, childlike obedience, to say yes, to return to the simplicity of being with him and following his leading, that you can come right on up to the front here too, and we're going to have the prayer team prayer for you. Just respond to the Lord if that's you, no pressure. I want to pray for everyone, but if you feel like the Lord is stirring your heart afresh to a fresh place to to not go back to old ways and you want to respond to him, come on up here and join me at the front. Just face the cross. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. We say yes to you, God, in this season, in this stage, in this day, in the hour that we live, in the seasons we've been through, in the seasons you've taken us from and you're taking us to. Here we are, Lord. Just hold out your hands before the Lord as a sign of surrender. Lord, I come to you in simplicity. God, I put away my reasoning, my old nets, and I say yes to following you afresh again. Just make that the prayer of your heart right here. As it were a a living sacrifice on, on this altar, here I am. Just tell the Lord in your own words. Here we are, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Oh, I just see him meeting you right here. Just continue to open your heart to him. Take off the, we take off the weight of performance, the weight of making my own way, the weight of, of, of trying to be perfected on our own strength, trying to provide by the arm of our flesh. We just take off every weight that is hindered, and we enter into the easy yoke of knowing you, Jesus. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And you are saying to each one of these people, come and walk with me. Just receive that lightness of heart and spirit today. Receive the clarity of mind and soul right now as you're surrendering before the Lord. Receive that. Others of you in the room. If you're here, would you just come lay hands on these ones and pray for them? Just release a fresh season, a fresh wind over their life. Just release over them faith and love and hope from the Holy Spirit. If we could just get the elders and those who are part of the prayer team to come on. We're just going to spend a moment here before the Lord. This is our agenda to be with him right now. And just continue to allow him. I believe some of you are going to get visions, pictures in your head right now of the Lord's face before you speaking to you. Let's just take a few minutes right now. We're not in a hurry. Thank you, Jesus. Again, if you can and you want to, come on up and just lay hands and pray for someone. Bless them. Hey, thank you, Jesus.